Welcome everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. This is your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon, and retired registered nurse, harpist, and creator of The Keys of David, Steve Reese. Steve, we're okay. going to jump right in right now because okay. I know there are some stories from that <laughs> segment. And okay. for those of you that didn't hear the last segment, you must listen and understand that there is substance, there is context, historic, scientific, archaeological, of course, yeah. but historic context for why the world celebrates the birth of perhaps the most significant, relevant, controversial, if you will, human that ever entered into time because he claims no other person made. There's nothing compares, yeah. (laughs) There's nothing compares. And by the way, that's what separates this religious worldview from others is that it isn't man reaching God, doing anything to reach him. It's God reaching man. Exactly. So give us more stories. Give us more context for this. Well, I'll start with the story, and it might help help frame our discussion to follow. Early on, while I was doing taking the harp into the hospital playing, like I talked about in the first segment, and one day the nurse educator came to me and she said, do you have a CD or anything? And I said, no, I've never done anything like that. And she said, well, we have a lot of the patients. You've been going into their rooms and playing for them while they're on dialysis. And the nurses were fighting over which unit you're going to go play for. (laughs) And I'm starting to get a lot of people requesting if they have a CD they could take home with them. And I said, well, I, I haven't ever thought about that. Well, within a couple of days, a friend of mine, I was talking about that. And he said, oh, I know a guy that has a recording studio. So we went and made a CD. I still carry that one. It's called Healing Harp. And it, was, it wasn't it was even working with the Psalms or anything. It was, it was before I even understood the frequencies, but we made it available. And a few months later, I got a letter in the mail, and the, there was a $20 bill in the letter. And the lady that wrote it uh, said, you don't know me? But a friend of mine copied your CD off and gave me a copy, and I just wanted to make sure you got reimbursed for it. <laughs> but she said, "I want I, more than that. I wanted to tell you what happened." She said, "One evening, we, uh, my husband had a serious heart attack. We went into the emergency room. They were working really hard just to uh, stabilize him, and the doctor took me aside and he said, I 'I don't.'" I just want you to be prepared. I don't think he's going to make it through tonight. He's it's, he's had a very large, his enzymes are very high. It's a, It's been a, a large section of his heart taken out. And I don't expect him to recover from it. It's, it's too big of a, of a, a piece of his heart for that. So they took him on up to the CCU and finally got all the monitors and tubes and everything all connected. And so his wife, the lady writing the notes said, asked the nurse, could I um, play some music for him? She said, well, if you brought in some headphones so that it didn't bother anybody else, that'd be fine. So she brought in a little CD player with my CD of healing harp on it. And it cycled through the night playing that music. 
In the morning, when the doctor walked in, he picked up the chart, looked up at the monitor, looked back at the chart, looked at the monitor, looked at the chart, looked at the monitor, and he said, what have you been doing? And the nurse said, I, I just followed your orders. And he said, well, this is a different patient than last night. The fellow was home three days later. And, and the woman was 100% convinced that the music is what made the difference. Now, interestingly enough. Interesting. And, and I, I just have to comment. I do a lot of energy work with people. Those that are very, very conservative think I'm a heathen. <laughs> and those far, far left think I'm a religious fanatic. Right. I think we talked about this before. So both extremes have a problem with the truth. I give them data. Right. I give them a printout. I give them information. And I can see by the expression of their face, in their face, that the resonance of what I'm picking up correlating with organ function and right. with regulation is completely spot on and it is revealing the secrets of their heart and yeah. stories and things that they haven't told a soul but the body keeps the score oh yeah it is from resonance energy fields right. frequencies magnetic meridian information i'm picking up right and the yep. complexity of the technology that these geniuses have developed for simple people like me to take that data and translate it into something meaningful and practical people's lives. Do you know, even with that evidence in hand, people will resist the truth of what I'm right. showing them. Yep. Literally revealing a miscarriage you never said anything about, an affair that you think nobody knows about, but it is destroying your liver. Right, because you're holding that nugget that's causing so much disdain for yourself and anger and shame. Well, it's amazing. Well, I think it was Mark Twain, and maybe some—I don't know. It seemed, I'm, but he said the hardest thing to do is to convince somebody who's deceived that they're deceived. Yeah. And I think that's what you're dealing with a lot of times when this this when we have information that's true. And we try to share it with people. They have been believing a lie so long that they don't realize that it's a lie. They've been deceived by it so long. You know, the enemy we talked about earlier is a liar. He's the father of lies. He seeks to kill, rob, and destroy. So yeah, the darkness I, that's consuming you has a name. This, yeah. this deception is an energy field. It's a force. And there's a person behind that intention, if you will. Yeah, there's there's a sentient being that is is putting all that forward. And the so, contrast is the light that came into the world that says there's no other way to defeat the darkness that's engulfing humanity without me stepping into time. Right, yeah. place that confusion, chaos, and disease that comes with darkness. Yeah. And, and I love that we're both, we both have years. I only had eight years as a clinician. And I'm telling you, Steve, people, my cancer patients are the ones that said, you've got to get out of here. If I would have understood these principles of rest applied, you're very, very specific in your application, which is music, frequencies, and energy. Mine's a little more complicated in the sense that I've taken the nectar 
of physics, of science, of philosophy, of theology. And by the grace of God, and in the same way you got the information, I got this this narrative of rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You must defragment everything that's been fragmented. So oh, rest yeah. is a yeah. little comprehensive in that it touches in these disciplines. But intuitively, ignorant people that did not know the assaults on their spirit, their soul, their body, when they were introduced to these principles of rest, so they could be free in time or out of time, I wanted them to experience freedom. The transformation and the enlightenment and the enthusiasm and in the hope that they had literally is what compels me every day to get out of bed and find ways to communicate the complexity of these things in simple ways and and bring everything that's been segregated by all these studies and these disciplines. And we see, we get a glimpse of that. And when we look at degrees and the requirements to obtain these academic degrees, everything's been completely compartmentalized to the point that we are in a yeah. chronic state of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease, and therefore ignorance in these yes. academic institutions that we're paying a quarter of a million dollars to to get our kids educated, and they're becoming more ignorant of these things. Yes, yes. It, it, it The enemy is, all of this is by design. You know, it's interesting, Dr. Peter McCullough, he gave a talk a couple of weeks back where he t- referred to the great controversy. <laughs> and he, he labeled, he gave it a name, the great controversy, because it is a controversy between the blessings in life that our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Creator wants us to live in, and the confusion and chaos that the enemy is trying to bring upon us. It's a great conflict that's going on. It's, it, I thought that was a great naming of it. He, it he, is. He, I'm he, going to see, Dr. Cowden knows him well. I'm going to see if we can get him on the podcast to speak about the great controversy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just wanted to follow up on that, the miracle of the heart attack. One of the things I do is write a monthly article for Masters of Health magazine. So I do research to find out ways that music affects us physiologically as in in other ways in our life. And so one of the studies I ran across was they were doing uh, treadmill studies. And they would take the the person up as far as they could go when their heart rate and and reach that point where they have to stop them. So they tilt them farther and farther until they get them to where they can't go any further. Okay. So then they would bring them back a few days later, let them rest up, bring them back. And they would, this, this time they would let them put music of their choice. They recommended using a soft, slow beat kind of music that they enjoyed. And they would do the same test and see how, how far they got with the music. They were able to do 25% more with the music than without. That kind of explains back to this miracle what was going on, because if you can get 25% more cardiac output, that's going to make the difference between whether you make it or don't make it. Wow. So you connected it with this heart patient. Yeah, exactly. And I've got tons of other studies that I can list off, too, because there's been a lot of research. And more and more, you know, I've, I've played in, in OR suites. <laughs> and uh, while surgeries are going on and, and it was funny while I was a friend of mine was having eye surgery and she wanted me in there playing for her doctor said fine 
got finished with the operation and he said, okay, you can put her to the recovering, but you stay here and you keep playing <laughs> because not only was the patient receiving benefit, but the doctor was receiving benefit because it was calming him down. It, he, he said, I've never done this before. This is amazing. Can you do this again? It was, it, yeah, there's a lot of things that go on that we can't even really put words to. We know that it's better. We know that there's something going on that's beneficial. We may not be able to say it exactly physiologically, but people recognize when something's different and it's better. And that happens so much. I can, you know, people tell me, Mike, <laughs> I don't know how many stories you want to hear, but, but I can tell you story after story after story about this, the way that this music has changed the atmosphere of homes, the, the drive in a car with a full, car full of kids, kids needing to take a nap, um, milk goats and not i mean i can you know there's well lucifer was the amplifier of music right oh absolutely so he knows how to abuse it that's right because he knows what it can do positively and he knows what it can do negatively and there actually are negative frequencies as well so years and years and years ago now he's married has a beautiful family with children but my son, years and years ago, when Ray and I got married, he had two children, but I've raised them as my own, and mm. I love them to death. They're like our children. I mean, they're, they're like, yours. They're yeah. Kids. yeah, they're my kids. And he said, Mom, looking back on my life, I had no idea how music feeds the rage of a generation. I had no idea how music was fueling rage within me. Yeah. And that really struck me because a few months later, I was with Kim Vanguard, an amazing philanthropist who has a heart for the hemorrhaging soul of our nation. Mm. She and I were talking about what in the world is happening. Something significant is shifting. By the way, this was almost 30 years ago. Wow. And I can't put my finger on it. And right as I said that, because I was commissioned to write a book that I didn't feel I was prepared for. And as I was running some things by her, I looked up and in the table right next to us, there's this beautiful 24, 28, 30 year old boy sitting next to us. And it was a very, very hot day in San Clemente and he took off his shirt and I said, Kim, there it is. Born to hate oh. was a tattoo. Born oh. to hate. And I said, there you have it. The rage of a generation. What went wrong in America? And I couldn't help but think of what my son had mentioned. There is a thread that oh, yeah. runs from the music to the hate to the disdain to the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that has a spiritual component and a facet that has physiological consequences yep. in the anatomy of living things. Yep. And I think one hundred percent. It took me a year to get in touch with you because I have so much stuff going on and and Dr. Cowden kept insisting, Virginia, you you got to meet Steve. you got to talk to Steve. Because what you speak to and what he does 
it's this, there's this beautiful symphony and harmony and rhythm to what you both have to say that will bring enlightenment, information, education to people that can be transformative and displacing yeah. the confusion and chaos of our age. And Steve, I can't tell you, my, my soul just sings when I hear you speak because I think this is it. This is it. It's a lifeline, I think for not just our listening demographic, but for a generation. And we have to continue to labor to make this information accessible, consumable, and digestible for people because it's congruent with laws of nature, things that are self-evident and appeal to our natural affection. So this the laws, the, the ecosystem that God's put in place will work with us, I think, in displacing the insanity that is before us that doesn't make sense to most thinking people. I don't want to say this in a political sense at all, but the way our designer (laughs) designed the world and created the world was that it was a self-correcting system that was a complete cycle. And just for an example, when I breathe out, I breathe CO2 out, carbon dioxide. And that carbon dioxide floats through the air and gets to a tree, and the tree goes, "Oh, I need that to take to make chlorophyll." And in making the chlorophyll, that tree makes oxygen that floats around through the air and comes back to me so that I can breathe oxygen. So there's this perfect thing going on that that our Creator made. Well, the amazing thing is is that this whole attention being made on carbon and all that is denying, this is the way I see it anyway, is denying the way things were created because the more carbon dioxide that would be available, there'll be more trees to make oxygen that would be more, that everybody would be happy. For ourselves to become wise, we've we've become fools. Exactly. So we have these, these entities, I don't want to identify them anyway, but but they're trying to convince people that the carbon dioxide's bad, bad, bad. Yeah, that they're and forced. therefore we we need to spend all kinds of money to take care of that. And God's going back. I'm, I I can just see him sitting back there, scratching his head. You know, like where you know where did you get that from? Because that's not how I created it. I created it so that it's a perfect cycle. And now you're trying to disrupt that perfect cycle, and and that and that and just self, plays, and you will self destruct, and process. you will and you will suffer for it because you. A friend of mine used he's a teacher. He's passed away since, but he used to say, you know, God's a lot smarter than we are, <laughs> and he is. And every time that we try to interject man ideas into the middle of creation. It, Man it ideas t- in God design. Exactly. It it just it always it's always a problem, and we're told that the tree, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. You know, and and yet we have these companies that we call, you know, that make these medicines and things that are supposed to make us well, when in reality they're actually making us very ill because they always have side effects and. It, 
And I'll give you a music example to, to well, show you that. Well, this for 30 years. Yeah. So Crack Babies, there's a, there's a Kaiser Hospital up in, I think it's in Illinois, that discovered that if they played music, soft music, to these Crack Babies, they would get the same benefit of quieting as if they gave them Valium, which is what their protocol was to give them Valium to calm them down. Well, they even went so far as to develop a little pacifier so that when the baby would suck on the pacifier, it would start the music up. So if the baby started feeling that they needed to be calmed, they could start sucking a little harder on the pacifier and it would start the music up. And they were they started to self-train into calming with the music and not need the Valium. Well, why when the, and, and that goes along with another study that they did, um, they took patients that were gonna have an operation and they could either choose to have Valium as a pre-op to calm them down, or they could use music, the music that they liked for to calm them. And they did a test that they can determine your level of anxiety and they did that test on both the Valium section and the music section, and they were both as equally helped, either the music or the Valium. Well, why would you take Valium if you could do the same thing with music? You're not going to have all the side effects. You're not going to have the cost. It's going to. It's much much simpler. And so, I'm just, I just list both of those as ways that our Heavenly Father, our Designer, our Creator, created us with that ability for those neurotransmitters to be developed when that music is being played so that that takes care of the issue that the pharmaceuticals are trying to tell no 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 you need to take this we'll sell it to you man wants to capitalize yeah on what god created in nature yeah exactly so so to me you know to take to go back to the baby in the manger he came to restore us back to the creative order, both both spiritually, psychologically, physically, in every single way. He came back to restore. He said, I've come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. That is why he came. He, he realized, I, I think he realized, and I think he knew it all along because of what Revelation says, but he came because we had, we had drifted so far away and man had taken over so much even the religion of his day had gone so far off that they didn't even know they didn't even recognize him who their writers had said was coming <laughs> they had they had gotten that far off and so and he, I, he finally had to give a personal appearance to get us back on track and i'm glad you said that i think we're so hard on ourselves because we have this presence, this energy, this thing, these entities speaking shame, condemnation, unworthiness constantly, when in fact, the more and more and more I grow in my understanding of philosophy, theology, physics, science, math, I am overwhelmed by the unmerited grace that is raining, literally yeah. raining in buckets, raining in time for us to take it, take it, take it. Yeah, yeah. Those of you who have encountered me, who have experienced me, who have at one time invited me to make my dwelling place in you, because you heard that knock in your heart, 
you have access to power and authority that lives in your heart, which, by the way, has eyes to see, ears to hear, has a conscience. Now the conscience of Christ that's in them has, a, has feelings, the feelings of God, has a spiritual lifeline to the heart. The soul is a little different. It has a mind. It has a heart. But that's right. what the battleground is. And so we've got to be careful to distinguish the voice of our heart this Christmas and the voice of perhaps maybe if, if you've not opened the door to the living God and to the promise of hope of this baby and the promise of peace and freedom, if you haven't opened the door to that, maybe you've heard that knock and you've resisted and hardened your heart. Yeah. Open that Amen. door because then the battle between your heart, your deepest convictions that compel you to live, and the battle of your soul, which is your good intentions. Right, right. Different than your deepest convictions. One is the fruit of your flesh that works and strives and, and says, I got to try harder, be more. I need to do this. I need to do that. But then there's this quiet thing inside of you says, you're enough. Mm-hmm. You said, I've never felt that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, you right. And if you're taking antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, you can't sleep. That's right. proof that the voice of your heart is saying, no, you were meant for more than this. This is what you need. Yeah. yeah. Open your heart. I want to encourage everyone, open your heart to that quiet, still spirit enveloped in the promise, embodied in this promise of this baby that came into time, again, well-documented by thousands of years in history that spoke of when he would be born, to whom he would be born, how he would come, the things that he would face, right? Thousands of years before he was born, and certainly specifically in the book of Isaiah, what, over 800 years before he stepped into time. Yeah. To whom? Why? What he would say. So open your mind and your heart to the possibility that he is the living word. And Steve talked a little bit about the word in that last segment. He is the light of the world. He is the prince of peace. He can stabilize all the confusion, chaos, and disease from these competing energies in your own body and in your own life. And set your life in a trajectory that you never even imagined possible. And he will give you a prism, I think, Mm -hmm. a window into what's happening today in the Middle East, in Europe, in Asia, in Australia. What's happening in Spain is like the things that are happening all over the world. Do you see that this frequency, this rhythm of desire and hunger for light and liberty and freedom and life is resonating all over South America, all over Europe, all over Asia. There's an uprising that is happening among the ecclesia, those that call the body of Christ. If the church disappointed you, that's okay. The church is a building, but the ecclesia is the resonance you feel when you hear people like Steve and I have this conversation that says, wow, I have no idea maybe what they're talking about, but this really resonates with me. We want to invite you to look at the lights all over your neighborhood, the lights you hung up and say, wow, there is a person behind the story of that energy, the story of that light, behind those frequencies. And Steve, 
I just had to get all that <laughs> off my chest. But you, you bring the lights all over the houses that come about this time of year, and I, yeah. I think that's so appropriate because because it is the light. It is light. You know, the um. And there's a person yeah. behind that. There's, yes. there's a story behind that light. Yeah, I, we do a lot of travel, so everywhere, every town I'm going through, every city I would drive by, I'm always thinking, you know. Look at all of those homes. Look at all the lives that are displayed there that I won't even ever have the opportunity to interact with. But there, our Heavenly Father, He knows every single one of them. He actually has numbered their hairs of their head. How, how in the world? You know, that just boggles my mind, you know. But you talk about the Prince of Peace. The Sar Shalom is the Hebrew word for that. And Sar being prince, but Shalom is a very interesting word. It's not it's not peace, brother, <laughs> um, uh, peace sister. It's uh, Shalom in Hebrew means the power that destroys the one who tries to bring chaos into your life. If you think about what that means in our life, if if Yeshua represents that power that destroys the one who tries to bring chaos into our life. That is an amazing thought because, you know, another name for Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh, is Yahweh Sabaoth, which is the, the, the Yahweh of rest. And yet takes you clear back to Genesis 1 where he's, he said he, he rested from creating, not because he was cosmically pooped that he needed to settle down, or maybe he did, but he knew we were going to need it. He knew that rest was an, going to be an integral part of what was going to keep us from being diseased. He was going to keep us in ease if we would continue to do our rest. And I, I think if we can just grab onto those ideas of what our what our designer has designed for us to have that abundant life, that's that's what this is all about. You can't have rest without peace. And that's why he's the prince of peace. Yeah. And every essence of who he is, Steve, that was so beautiful what you just said. But every aspect and every facet of what you just said is in him. Light, light. Complete package. <laughs> Love. It's a complete package. That's why yeah. he can say, I am the Prince of Peace. That's why yeah. he can extend the promise of rest and the hope of freedom. Yeah. And it's here to be had now in the midst of the darkness. He said, he said the, the kingdom, he's referring to that kingdom of Shalom. The kingdom is within you. Even back then when he was walking on the earth, he said the most important things he told the disciples to go out and tell people was that the kingdom has arrived and it is within you. And it's still arrived and it's still within us. We just we have, have to access it. We, we have, have to, to access, access it. We have to stop and recognize it. That's right. And, uh, but listen it, to your heart. Guard your yes. heart above all else. Receive Put out your hand it. and receive it. Yes. Receive it. And if yeah. you hear that knock and you've neglected it and you, you know because you're not well, open yeah. the door. See that light. Receive that invitation. And let the Prince of Peace rule your heart. And then you'll be able to distinguish the voice of your mind, maybe, that needs to be transformed because it's always assaulting your heart. No, 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 yeah. no. Let this power, the shalom, 
the power of the living God indwell you so that you can silence the voice of darkness and you can rise up with us yeah. and displace yeah. the growing confusion, chaos, and disease of the age. This Christmas, may all the lights that you look upon resonate the essence of this message, cause the essence of this message to resonate in you. And Steve, can you just finish (laughs) with this word that invites us to displace the darkness that is upon us? Well, here's what was just going through my mind as you were saying that. And that is there are several places in the, in the scripture that have been written where God says, prove me now. In other words, try me out. Another place he says, taste and see. In, in other words, experience. And so my challenge daily to myself and my challenge to each of you listening would be, try him, check it out. Uh, what do you have to lose? Because he promises abundant life. What we're experiencing in the world today is chaos. There's a choice there. And so he's, he's saying, try it out, check it out. If you don't like it, go back to the chaos. But I have a feeling that if you experience the shalom, you'll never want to go back to the chaos. Merry Christmas, Steve. (laughs) Merry Christmas, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I have to say, you look like Santa Claus. It's funny. I get I get that in restaurants. You know, little kids look at me. Mom, look at there. <laughs> well, you know what you did. You literally just shared the heart and the light that was in in Saint Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. He was a real person. He was a real person, and he did yeah. bring everything you shared with us into the world. I'm excited to have you back. Well, I'll be I'll be glad to join you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to theplaceofrest.com forward slash donate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.